Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Bijou Podcasts. You're listening to episode 76 of the Stacey June Show. Wow. Today, my guest is chiropractor, yoga and meditation teacher, and trauma releaser through energy work, Dr. Sarah Jane. Friends, welcome to another interview episode of the Stacey June Show. I am Stace. It is lovely to have you here. If you are finding me through some of Dr. Sarah Jane's posts or she's pointed you to this interview and you haven't listened to the show before, welcome. It's nice to see you or, you know, you can hear me. I can't see you, but it's nice for you to be here. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for the rating and reviews this week. I am making a point to um, to really note them and, and take them in for myself selfishly, but I think it's a really nice thing sometimes when you're slogging away and moving really quickly. You're not always taking in, I guess, the impact and and that's where often I get a lot of that. Some of you message me on DM, but it is really nice and uh, helpful for the show to be reached by a wider audience if you do leave a rating and review. So if you haven't done so uh, recently, please go to the Stacey June Show page and um, and do that. I'd really appreciate it. So where am I at this week? I'm definitely trying to learn to talk. Did you see how I changed my tone? I was like up, 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 up. And now I'm trying to pull it back a little bit. If you didn't listen to the Philip Shepard episode, then go and listen to that because it was a game changer for me. And I am just already thinking about my energy and the way that I deliver these shows and how different my radio um, energy is compared to my podcast energy or what it can be, um, which is interesting if you're a broadcaster and and you have a certain way, there is also this really beautiful ability in podcasting to create it whatever way you want because it's your show. Whereas radios, it's it's kind of like when they say, you know, the camera adds pounds or there's a particular, you know, you need to have some makeup on because the lighting can drown you out. It's kind of like that in radio that if you don't have a certain vibe of energy, the ads and the songs and everything else can really drown you out a little bit. So, with podcasting, I don't need to do that. So I definitely pulled it back a little bit and uh, and unclenched my pelvis, which I will talk to Dr. Sarah Jane about very soon. Um, so yeah, I'm really good. I learned a lot from that man and um, and I'll put the, the episode in show notes if you didn't get a chance to listen to it. But I am really fixated and studying more uh, energy um, work at the moment, particularly with my teacher, um, Michael Trembath, who's also been on the show. And so that's been such a fascinating thing for me personally, uh, as well as doing the coaching and and just watching the girls that I'm working with go through, I don't know, just different formulas or different things that sometimes I'm intuitively working f- through them and working up for them and realizing how powerful that relationship is for me to 
work from their energy as well and, and bounce with them for them, which has been such an incredible not only lesson for me, but just such a gift. I didn't really realize it was going to be so rewarding because I'm so, I've always been so much about me and my voice. And obviously that's the show. You hear a lot from me. Um, and all of my radio work is about my story and my personal life and, and my talks and my books, uh, you know, mostly the book is about a bit of both, but everything is built from a very personal place. And so the coaching has allowed me to offer this other side of myself that isn't about, oh, sure, I'm gaining insights and um, and definitely knowledge from my past and from all of the training and life experiences I've had. So you're pulling from there, but it's not really like I'm pulling specifically from that time I was three for a particular coaching session. I'm pulling from wisdom and knowledge and 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 educated ideas and and um, and well well researched and thought out concepts and. And it's for someone else and to see that work for them or at least for there to be an exchange of energy where they've given me something that showcases something in myself has just been really special. So my tip also for this week is to do something that scares you a little bit because the group coaching was definitely something I felt much more comfortable about at the start of the year. But the one-on-one coaching, I was a little bit of an imposter. I kind of was like, well, who am I? I'm a radio broadcaster. But a person that had done so much training personally had gone and done some certification around coaching without really (laughs) knowing it. Um, So it was hard for me to get my head around that, I guess, title or image. And I sit in it not just comfortably but proudly and also it's bringing me so much joy. So thank you to those of you that are doing it. And, And like I've said on the show a few times over the past week or so, it's certainly not the last that you'll hear of uh, those openings from me. So um, yeah, it's been quite a success so far. Okay, on to my guest. Uh, Dr. Sarah Jane is a gentle chiropractor, which I think is a really lovely way to start my introduction with her. We speak about a lot on this show, particularly where we hold trauma in our bodies and how that can be released, how she navigates working again for a more traditional kind of medical realm and and integrating holistic practices into that. Um, It certainly seemed to be a theme of a lot of my guests of the last few weeks, whether I've aired them yet or not, or the ones I'm doing and interviewing off air. Um, there's just this real interest for me in how we can really navigate the two um, seamlessly. And it's not an easy thing at this point of the game, particularly when you've got the government kind of taking away even health rebates for alternative therapies. It's, you know, there's a lot of backlash around it still, but there are a lot of great people out there like Dr. Sarah that are really trying to do their best to put their stamp on different uh, techniques and different specialties that help you heal and be better specifically for you. So she does that. She is an energy worker as well. She talks about how she uh, activates her holistic counseling through that. And the things that we cover were, as I said, trauma. We, We talk about where things are stored in the body. We talk about when we have certain things happen to us, where they go physically. Um, We also talk a lot about the pelvic floor and energy that we hold in that uh, sacred, um, sacral chakra area or our vagina area. Um, 
or vulva or whichever, whatever word you want to call it, but that pelvic region has such a big energy um, essence for us. And she talks about, yeah, all the kinds of parts of that muscle and and where we've gone wrong in terms of the way we've approached it in the past and, and how we can workshop that differently moving forward. Um, plus a whole heap of other incredible emotional moving into physical um I guess, manifestations or, or ways that our energy and our emotional move into the more physical pain sometimes or problems. So this is a really great chat. I think you'll get a lot out of it. If you enjoyed the chat with Sarah, make sure you let her know. You can find her on Instagram at Dr. Sarah Jane underscore Cairo if you want to let her know that you heard her here or potentially um, inquire about seeing her yourself at her clinic. Um, all of the information is there or you can head to her website at drsarahjanecairo.com. Enjoy the chat. Welcome to the show, Sarah Jane. It's lovely to chat with you today. Thanks, Stace. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm thrilled too. And we got there in the end. We had some techno. We had some, um, some. I don't know. There's no full moon. There's no what. We I'm can't blame sure. it on anything. Yeah, Mercury retrograde. Um, it's finished now too. It's so over. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's over. Um, I wanted to just open up the conversation with a little bit about yourself and to explain your style of work because I think what's so incredible at the moment is this real. And it may be something that's gone on for a long time, but I do think that it's become a little bit more. Um, um, poignant into our day-to-day life where people like yourself, chiropractors or um, or physios or different healers or Reiki or all these people have all of this different um, collection of work under their belt and now have this ability to really craft their own career out really and so essentially you've got the the skill set behind you but then you're also looking for your wave or your groove in a profession as such. And I think these kind of chiro and physio and these types of um, professions we know as a real staple, but you describe yourself as a gentle chiro, is that correct? Yeah, so I guess like you were saying, um, where we're at in society at the moment, we're we're all looking for something a little bit different and a little bit more um, from our healthcare providers than what we've had in the past. And uh, I think everyone can say that, Sometimes it's tiring, you know, you've got a kinesiologist, you've got a Reiki therapist, you've got a physio, you've got a chiro, you've got a massage therapist, you've got a psychologist, you know, and it can get really exhausting for people you know, mm. trying to improve their health or, or um, you know, escalate their healing journey or make sense of it and just be the best kind mm. of person that they want to be. But they've got all these appointments and it costs a lot of money to see all of these people too. And it can be exhausting and it can also make, make you feel like there's almost something wrong or something that needs to be fixed. And that's not that's not the way I like to work either. So myself, and I can't speak for everyone in the, in the industry, obviously, but I think a lot of us allied health practitioners as well as health practitioners in general are trying to get more of a holistic way of working so that we can help people in a larger way. And, you know, in terms of talking about research and things like that, um, it's proven that people feel a lot better when they have a whole bunch of different stuff involved. (laughs) Um, So in terms of gentle chiropractic, the reason I've gone down that route is because 
so much of us are in this thing called sympathetic dominance or in that fight or flight state you know um we're so overwhelmed with the kind of lives that we live you know whether it's we work a lot we're always contactable on our phones um you know social media and all those kind of things the way that we live our lives we're, we're already got our you know our glass full so I was looking for a way to be able to assist people um, without contributing to the, the noise and the loudness that's already in their life and kind of taking them out of that sympathetic and fight or flight or survival state and into a parasympathetic state, which is a smancy word for saying our calm state and almost our, our true connection to self state. And that's where healing can really happen. So um, by doing it in a way that's gentle, so I don't do any manipulation, um, I work with areas of ease in the body rather than areas that aren't working or need fixing or are stuck or fixated. Um, and I like to concentrate on the areas that are working well and then have the body reorganise itself to focus on those areas and hopefully bring a, a better um, state emotionally, energetically and physically, so as a whole, as a person. So you, you're, a hol- you're a holistic practitioner. There's plenty of different things that you, um, that you cover. You're a yoga teacher and uh, an energy, you work in energy healing and, and also um, and, and kind of a, like not a therapist, but a ca- like a counsellor. You work yeah. through, you know, more of an emotional approach also. Which part came first? Were you a Cairo first and then you started to enhance parts of yourself, which then gave you the ability to or the interest to look into other parts or was it the other way around? It was the other way around a little bit. So right. I did my psych degree first initially because I was always very interested in um, the way our brains work and why we are the way that we are. And, you know, after going through certain experiences in my lifetime, I had experienced anxiety and, and depression and I also had PTSD as well. So I wanted to um, help others in a way um, that I kind of didn't experience from the medical system myself. Um, I felt that with the psychologist that I saw, I ended up finding one that I connected with really well, but it took time to find that person I connected with and where I didn't feel like they were trying to diagnose me or um, I felt like we're working together. So that's why I wanted to look into the psych and and to try and work in a way that um, could help others in a level where they felt like they were emotionally connected and and that I truly listened and that I truly looked after them in a way that I felt that I wasn't. So that's what drew me to that. And then I started doing um, placement and I realised, no, <laughs> I don't want to be a psychologist. Um, what, you change your mind? And I like change my mind. The, the breaking the law for women, we kind of have this idea, you can't change your mind. Oh, no. So I changed it because I just realised again, and to use this buzzword again, that I wanted to work in a more holistic way um, and in a way that I felt, like I'm very passionate about making people feel like their responses are normal um, and that there's nothing wrong with them. And a lot of us have shame and guilt associated with thinking that there's something that needs to be fixed within us. And I wanted to kind of break the stigma that people have. I think it's a lot better now, but 10 years ago, there was still quite a bit of a stigma in relation to seeing a psychologist, for example. So I decided to do, I did um, my meditation teaching first and I was a chair yoga teacher initially as well. And then I decided to do my holistic counselling, which fit much better for the way that I wanted to practice. It really Mm. looks at people's um, experiences and how that's shaped them, for instance, in having maybe anxiety. Um, You know, sometimes we treat people like they were born with it or we don't know why it happened where, you know, I'm quite passionate in in looking back on people's lives and kind of tracing, you know, if I interviewed you, for example, and you said I had anxiety for 10 years, the first question I ask you is, well, what happened 10 years ago? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when was the first time you remember it? Yeah, and yeah, there's yeah, reasons yeah. for everything, you know. And that's a really um, good question to ask yourself if you are listening to this and you are going through a bit of a self discovery or a point that often it starts with the first time. If you're honest as well, I always talk about yeah. you've got to be honest with yourself <laughs> and have an yeah. intuition that's working that you're paying attention to. But if you've got that, you know, there's a good chance that you can kind of trace back roughly, it doesn't come straight away, but roughly to where potentially it began right yeah and it's so important to kind of understand that yourself um, because throughout your life there'll be triggers related to that event that kind of trigger that anxiety or that stress again and that response in the system as well Um, and so working this way was I loved it but I felt like something was missing because there was a lot of talking there was and and that's great um, but then I would send them out and you know that's still in their physical body Um, you know we're not just emotional creatures we're not just physical we're not just um, spiritual or energetic there's all these different layers to us and they all work together you know um, if you are anxious your body will show you that you know you might have tension this is exactly what I really want to focus on with my chat with you today because I did a, and I think you get to these places at the right time too mm-hmm, I think definitely. you know for my I totally had this experience personally where I had done 10 years of pretty intense family therapy and working through my roots and working through relationship stuff with uh, my parents and and different um, different bits and pieces and experiences through my childhood but again back onto that point that we said where you go to the beginning point I really only went to about 13 it's only re- more recently that I went back to three so I think you also only can you only are presented with what you can deal with at the time Mm -hmm. and then you kind of go oh actually this hasn't gone and I feel like I've really done work here you know I feel like we've I'm settled here so I'm going to dig a little bit deeper but back to your point I do believe that I did a lot of therapy and then just felt like my physical uh, effects of my anxiety were just kind of a part of my life you know because I'd done all of the um, emotional work or had continued to at least um, really focus on that and so I'd kind of got this impression that maybe the tight chest and the dizziness and maybe my hunger going up and down and and different kinds of um, burnout symptoms I suppose Mm -hmm. all playing out physically in my body you know, period pains being more painful some months mm-hmm. than others, depending on how anxious I was, you know, the cocktail, I just kind of thought there were things that you had. And then I started to realize that there was another opening of work for me, which was energy and physical work. And it was such a game changer to me. So on that, I want to talk to you about some of the physical issues that arise from the emotional and maybe we just highlight anxiety for one of them Um, and if you've got any other examples then I'd be happy to hear them but what is that what's that real commonality with a with your clientele or the people that walk through your door where they're coming with this physical sensation and you actually dig into the emotional or they come with the emotional unaware that it is behind their physical problem? Look, it can go both ways. Um, I have people who come in for more emotional um, healing and then we work out that there's a a pattern physically for them as well. And a lot of the time people have been living this way for so long that they forget that it's not actually um, (laughs) something that they have to live with 
for example. Um, you know, you might think that that's just the way you are. You might just have a tight chest. You might have a stiff neck. You might have headaches. Um, you might feel that you're wired but tired all the time. You might have sleep issues um, but not think that it could be related to your anxiety. And then other people, they're, they're aware of it and they're wanting to take charge of it. Other people are coming in with just physical symptoms and then they kind of, we kind of work out, you know, when the time is right that maybe there's an emotional connection to that too. And one of the things that the first things that I get all my clients to do is to fill out a timeline. So exactly what you were saying from like zero to three, um, you know, four to seven, you know, I get them to fill out a timeline all the way to the current state where they can write the things that have shaped them in, in negative ways and positive ways. And as we continue our work together and like your experience, they may um, figure out things along the way that they didn't quite process. And we have to think of it as we're almost like an onion with all these layers. And mm-hmm. at the start, we're peeling away those, um, I guess, more surface layers or the layers that are just at the, the level that they're, they're at that I can work with. And as we peel, we go deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, and then we can start, you know, um, piecing together other parts. But definitely in terms of anxiety, as a, as a quick example, there will be a segment up the very top of their head that's fixated um, and a segment in their lower back, one of the sides, usually they're opposite to the so the neck side will be opposite to the lower back side um, and that's usually my pattern where I can see um, that there's some anxiety going on from a spinal um, level. The next level is usually they might have some gut issues. Um, uh-huh. This is <laughs> listening up, people. We're going to tell you a million times. You can ignore us all you want, but there is an emotional reason behind your gut problem. I did this on air maybe four years ago and I was not very liked, let me tell you. Um, I was like, it's not all cases. I don't, I'm not a doctor, but you need to address this part of your life if you're not and you've got severe gut or kind of um, intolerances to some degree. You know? 100%. Yeah. Um, well, for example, one of the muscles that tightens when we are, anx- are anxious in our lower back is called um, your quadratus lumborum or your QL. Um, and when that muscle tightens, and all the spinal segments are related around to that muscle area, um, they're the nerves that go to all the digestive system. So from Mm. our aspect, that's something that's compromised. But also, like I was saying before, when you're in that sympathetic state, it's actually um, our digestion becomes something that's just not what our body wants to do. You actually have to be in parasympathetic state for your gut to be working to the best of its ability. So if you're constantly in this overdrive, um, a gut a gut issue, for lack of better words, um, will be what presents as well. And you'll also find if you really are in tune that when you are anxious and stressed that the gut usually will um, be aggravated a little bit as well. Yeah, and it is interesting, you know, when people say often with friends um, that are still probably yet to really properly enhance this theory I use inverted commas <laughs> fact I want to use um but I I will say you know I will also remember how you were quite stressed at work last week or mm-hmm. this this and this and and there's this real uh, what is it with the denial like what is it with is it an avoidance of wanting to work out emotional do we have do we as a society just have a real push towards going deep with our emotions because people really want it to be physical People want it to be physical and then they want to end it. I'm surrounded by people that are like this yeah. everywhere. That and, and I think it even 
you can even dabble in that initially if you don't do your self-work or you don't check yourself. You know what I mean? Like it's very easy to sit in that and say, well, this is just a a pulled neck Mm -hmm. or this is just a, you know, I've just got really bad... I don't know. Um, I'm back. I banked up this month, yeah. and I and it's just constipation. Simple. That's it. I'm going to go take something from the chemist. What is with this denial that we have? I think. Um, look, there's only so long that that lasts for for most people. Because um, mm. in what I do, I'm usually a last resort. If I'm honest, I'm not usually someone's first resort. Um, with what I do, it's it's different. It's a different aspect, and I will, you know, delve into all those areas. They've got some awareness too if they're coming yeah. to see you, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, some people, <laughs> um, most, most <laughs> people, yes, or they've been referred by someone who has the awareness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Probably me, the bossy friend that's like, go see this yeah. lady. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. But, um, yeah, look, like you said, it's it's the way that we're brought up in society as well. Um, it, we're, we're not really... Um, it's something you would have delved into later in your life. For example, when you were five or six, there wouldn't have been much talk about, oh, it could be your emotional state. It could be your energies off. You know, it's not really our, our way of living here in Australia. Whereas if you, say, um, grew up in India, um, there might be some talk about how all those systems are integrated and it's just a little bit, um, it's a cultural thing as well. Uh, the next thing is if it is just a physical issue, and sometimes it can be, um, it's usually quite easy for me to fix in a, in a certain sense. Like if you just have um, lower back pain that's due to poor mechanics in, in, you know, um, and something's not working the way it should, it actually isn't too difficult for me um, to assist people with that. It's the emotional stuff and the emotional connection that can, you know, take a lot more work and work for, for the client as well. Um, and I think it can be really painful to delve into the emotional side and delve into this idea of, um, you know, what am I doing in my life? What responsibility do I have in, in relation to this? Um, how can I change this? Mm, it's it's not easy to kind of have that self-inquiry. Um, and, it, yeah, it, it's painful for a lot of people. Um, you know, this idea of healing sounds, you know, um, very light and, and all that kind of thing, but it can actually be a very deep um, and tough experience for a lot of people as well. Um, so I think that there's a bit of avoidance for that as well. But also if it was purely physical, why hasn't it gone away? Mm. You know, um, there's got to be some other connection um, to it. And I think when people, for example, have have a symptom that's not gone away um, and they've tried everything within, you know, they've tried medicines, they've tried whatever they've tried and then they realise it's not going anywhere, then when they come and see a holistic practitioner, um, they get a better result at sometimes. And, you know, that's in my experience in the way that I work. Mm. I'm obviously very passionate about holistic health um, because, uh, you know, in terms of other systems, I don't feel like people are listened to well or that people feel that they're taken care of well or supported well. Um, and, you know, I don't say that I fix anyone. I'm literally just a facilitator and a support system for people to do that themselves on their journey and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
and that's the difference between some practitioners and, and others, I think, um, which is one of, is that kind of culture that I hope in the next few years we start to really shake off. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, no one knows your body better than you. And I think it's such an important lesson, which, you know, I really try and hone in on this show um, because it doesn't matter how long somebody went to university right. or how much they're earning. That's 100%. That's the first thing. Um, even for me, when I, yeah. if, yeah. If I ask a client a question and they're saying they feel this in their body or that in their body, I listen to that and I actually think that you have a better idea of what's going on than what I possibly would and I work with that. That's your intuition, you know. Mm, um, totally. That's your connection to your body. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I want to talk just really quickly on some of the stuff that we've spoken about just to give a real baseline understanding of, I guess, some of the things, day-to-day things that are causing our fight or flight to be off. Um, I often think people think that it needs to be and also, I actually would also yeah. like to include PTSD in that. I think a lot, often people think that it needs to be something really extreme, like you literally got, you know, confronted with a bear in the woods or you, um, you know, in some cases you had to have, like a, there was an assault that happened and it has to be as extreme as a rape. You know, I think everybody goes to this really extreme um, picture when they hear PTSD or you're living in fight or flight or your your um, your system's kind of off, but that's not the case, right? A lot of us are living in um, in our not in our parasympathetic nervous. What is this other one? There, um, the parasympathetic nervous system instead yeah. of the sympathetic nervous. Right. So a lot of us yeah. are living on edge from day to day issues or maybe issues that we've had with family or relationships or even smaller kind of traumas. And I don't like to measure them but I think often we think that our lives or the things that are going on in our day-to-day lives don't merit that kind of physical response because it wasn't something as put as in inverted commas extreme events could you speak to that a little bit and explain that if I'm correct that's not the case Oh, you're very correct. So, you know, sometimes, you know, with PTSD, a lot of us are under this misconception that you had to go to war, Yes, <laughs> you know, yes. that there was something very big that, that occurred. And just but to interrupt it, for one second, I remember yeah, my well, naturopath saying to me, I'd moved around the country a lot for radio, which was a choice, you know, and I, I adored it. It was a big ambition of mine and it was a goal. I probably did it on a, you know, consistently for about four years, but I was in a really bad way you know I was incredibly homesick was working crazy hours breakfast morning you know and she said I actually think that you might have PTSD from just that event of being ripped out of home you know all these kinds of things and for me I thought that was my goals being achieved so I just want to give you an idea of how and I (laughs) learned that 
that way through my own experience where she went, no, actually, because you've been living on edge the entire time. And that was my example of understanding um, that it isn't just about being murdered or, you know, like going to war, like you say. That's right. And, you know, it's a bit of a false conception about, you know, what PTSD actually is as well. Um, You know, in... (laughs) In the 70s, you know, people come back from Vietnam War and they would have PTSD. Um, How can I have PTSD from just having my phone go off every 20 minutes? Mm -hmm. They think that it it can't be the same, but it definitely is seen more and more. Um, I would say majority of the clients that see me have some form of PTSD. I don't like to label it in the same grouping as that, but there's definitely, you know, day-to-day trauma that has an effect on people. And that's probably the best way to think of it rather than this labelled, you know, um, horrible thing happened to you and then you had this effect. Because really it's something happening in your body. It's just people have it at different levels, right? It's the same kind of action. That's why I think we need to understand. It's not some event that then some therapist or, you know, um, person like yourself, a practitioner that then labels you with a, a sticker of it. It's actually yeah. a physical thing that can be proven whether it's a war veteran or somebody like you said, that's coming in from day to day. It just happens to be different doses of it, right? Well, it can even not be necessarily different doses. Like it still has a physiological response right. in the body regardless. Um, right, right, so right. your body may not know the Um, severity of what's going on necessarily the physiology is just the physiology so um, you know when when you're in that sympathetic state which which we talk about a lot as practitioners we're all living like that everyone has sympathetic dominance in their out of all their nervous systems that's the main dominant one and it's related to things like um, like I said that constant connectability on your phone um, the being on social media and that kind of interaction, um, working a lot. And like you said, people can sometimes uh, think it's that they're pursuing life in a way that they want to, but really it's not in alignment with who they are. And that's when I find that the stress, ah. when you're working against your alignment and listening to yourself, like maybe I need to rest here, maybe listening to your yeah, body, you then, then I find yeah, 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 it yeah. comes up. And, you know, it's also, I see it a little bit more in, say, a type A personality. Um, someone who's a high achiever, very intelligent, um, very driven, um, they're on all the time. So their adrenaline's on all the time. So you've got that sympathetic dominance in order to succeed in this life. Um, it's, you know, um, we, we reward people who work really hard or who work, you know, 60 hours a week. Oh, wow, you know, look at that person. We, we reward achievements. And it comes at another cost. Um, so, and that cost is usually um, something in the body. There's two parts to, to that I want to speak to from that. One of them is that it's so interesting that you say that potentially what could be going inside our body for somebody that has become addicted to their phone and, you know, compared to somebody that's come back from war could almost be the same thing because it's relative, yeah. right? So if you're a person that hasn't gone through, uh, you know, and again, there's no spectrum of people's trauma or who, someone's got worse or better, yeah. you know, but but so if, you know, if you've as somebody that, hasn't experienced those things and that's not your norm, what's triggering you or, you know, kind of flaring you up if you are living against your natural grain could be as dramatic as someone that has actually grown up or experienced more war-torn kind of uh, environment or maybe even just had a really awful childhood compared to someone that just had this kind of cruisy yeah. childhood and then you get to 20 and all of a sudden the same thing could be in your body from your phone yeah. use 
compared to somebody that has been abused. Yep. It's just crazy to think about, but it's so poignant because I think we have to go within, right, and really be honest with who we are and what our path That's has been. Right. And and it's like you said, your body doesn't know how to distinguish, you know, stress from different stress sometimes. It's just a stress response. Um so, mm. you know, there can be more um, intense responses, yes, but still physiologically they're still going to be similar. So that's why, you know, mm. everyday people are coming to see practitioners like myself um, to help them get into a state of almost um, that parasympathetic, that meditative state, that calm state, um, and to feel like lightness within their body again, to feel connected within themselves again, to feel like they're living lives that are the kind of life that they want to live rather than pressures from other people around them. Um, and, you know, we we look at their emotional health as well as their physical health, as well as their energetic health. So they're only going to find benefits in all these different areas. And um, with PTSD specifically, it's, yeah, I really want to change that misconception that there's something really intense had to happen. It's just not anymore and there's some really interesting work um, called trauma release exercises that I utilize in my practice um, which is actually the shake it off response that humans don't utilize when they've when they've encountered stress so like you were saying you know back in the day we really thought it was something like being faced with a bear or face of the lion whereas now it can be your work email going off um, and animals in the wild they will shake mm. in response to that we don't. Um, so there's actually a way to put your body in a position which releases that shake it off response. It's it's quite shocking for some people to, yeah, very powerful. It's very powerful. I've done it. And yeah, it's and scary, and that itself it's can release that um, physiological physical response from the body. And then if you combine that with say talking therapy, you're going to get such a, a bigger aspect of of you as a whole being looked at. Can you send me any information you have on that? Because I'd love to put that in show notes for those listening. Definitely. Um, and, of course, you offer that um, at your practice, right? Yeah. So if somebody was to be interested in that, they can come and come and see you. Um, let's just stick on the trauma thing for a second and, and talk about, you know, essentially what that also can be defined as because I think that's also something similar. But, but also where – that is often stored. Now, honing honing in on women for a second, and and going going into my own personal story, just to, to use as an as example, I've really had to unlock a few traumas that have um, happened to me in the past, but I haven't really had to unlock it physically the way I am having to face it now when I think about going in to give birth. Yeah, because I've held a lot of my trauma around my. Um, my um kind of pelvis yeah and um and at the very bottom of my kind of perineum around my my bottom yeah. essentially yeah. and i've realized that i don't actually fully release my pelvic floor i kind uh, of keep it a little bit tight yeah um and that is what i have set myself to be my um, my standard, you know, until I started to realize that because a lot of people think your pelvic floor exercises are about tightening, yeah. mine's actually about letting go. And so I've had about three weeks of this intense release that I've have really worked through emotionally, um, but physically there's a bit of work to do. And 
It's fascinating. I think often we hold a lot of tension and trauma in our vaginas as women, um, whether it is a sexual trauma or not. Mine was. Um, And so I want to talk a little bit about the physical elements of that and what different traumas could look like um, that affect the pelvis area or our vagina and, and also how that affects not just our sex life, but our creativity, femininity, et cetera? Yeah. Look, it's a big question. <laughs> it's a good question. And just to touch on one aspect of it with the pelvic floor, um, if I could tell you how many people have come and seen me, obviously women, um, who have been told that they need to do pelvic floor exercises to tighten them, um, and then we realise that, that it's the complete opposite. It's actually this new field within yeah. the area which they're starting right. to look at now because, um, it's it, again, a, a lot of people have it too tight because of that stress that they live in as well mm. um mm. so we actually need to learn to soften and to loosen it and you know it can create much um bigger effects throughout the system um if you continue to try and tighten an already hypertonic um area and mm. in turn so that's very true i'm very happy that you said that and there's some physios now and other experts who are really honing in on just that now yeah i see I, and i've only just started but a um uh, a physio that specialises in women's yeah. health. So I think um, that's a good place to start if you're thinking about Definitely. this particular area. Definitely. Too. But in terms of trauma storing, so um, the way that I look at it um, is, for example, in the lower area, there can be um, that's more the area where I find, um, say, more assaults, sexual assaults specifically, um, abuse, that kind of area is usually stored in the lower body um, in my experience. And when I work with clients, um, there's also centres surrounding that in relation to um, childhood, a little bit higher up in the system. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not necessarily to say that, you know, um, you had a bad childhood, but there were aspects in your childhood that were traumatising. Yeah, we need to get out of those labels. I think that's really important. One that we've learnt and everyone will have learnt from this episode is that you know, don't pigeonhole situations like, oh, I didn't get abused or I wasn't yeah. yelled at. Like there's lots of different ways that this can all play out and not to kind of say your life's not perfect when you think to rip you out of your bubble. But it is important to be real about, um, I guess, I don't know, what's going on in our body. Oh, 100%. And and usually when I work with people, I actually, um, after our first session, I show them the emotional centres on a map of the body um, and I circle which ones I found um, that I was working with that day and they always you know, nod their head and say, oh, yeah, that makes sense, that makes sense. Um, and, you know, there's areas for, say, rejection areas, there's areas in the body for, say, um, betrayal, abandonment. Um, there's areas in the body for traumas that have related to now you um, criticizing yourself or feeling more comfortable to give to others than you are to receive love, for instance. Um, then there's um, centers from past relationships. There's centers um, in terms of, um, you know, your expression, um, your ability to speak your truth. Um, there's also up the, that's as we move higher um, and as we get to the top then there's always um, centres in the shoulders as well for say almost I guess you could for lack of a better term it's saying that you're physically carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders as well and that's um, that causes mm. issues in the shoulders and neck as well and that can be a trauma area for that um, but yeah there's a lot of people having um, 
I guess, blockages in the areas where they have to speak and have the ability to speak their truth, that can be a really tough one. Um, And there's usually areas in terms of relationships with people that have affected them in ways that may not be as dramatic as we've always thought, but it could be um, fearful of communicating with their partner because maybe in a time previously they did um, and they were taught that that didn't work out very well. Um, And how could that play out? So what would be a symptom of that? What would you see? How, How would that play out in the body? Usually in relationship areas, it's kind of where your chest is, where your heart is. Um, So I kind of work almost in like a chakra-centred way, but um, again, you'll feel different tones in the body that relate to different emotions. Um, Mm. And when I feel the body, I pick up different, um, different, uh, I guess, tones that relate to different frequencies of emotions as Mm -hmm. well. Um, Mm -hmm. But you'll usually find, you know, that curve in the upper back that it's increased in people who have had relationship um, uh, struggles in the past. It's almost like um, that their heart's almost in a cage almost. You can see that the body's trying to protect that area so extensively Mm. um, that Mm. you can usually pick up then that there's been some kind of um, either family relationship, friendship or um, intimate relationship issues as well. It's kind I mean, it just felt so beautiful the way you described that as much as it might be painful for the person going through it and I think many of us have probably had been through something similar at some point of our lives where we're protecting our heart but it is beautiful at the full roundedness that you were able to describe that because of all of your your work I just needed to just comment that because it was just so lovely because I think yeah, we just we often look at one thing, but you've, your work embodies so many different elements for you to be able to have such a clear visual. So it's so lovely to hear you explain it like that. So just on that trauma and just a few other examples of maybe where it would play out, because I think it's quite interesting for people listening. The going back to you know things like rejection or um, or even a breakup, for example, how would they play out physically in your experience? Well, it would depend on what the breakup was as well um depend on the kind of everything's contextual you know if you were having a breakup that was mutual um and you both felt good about it that will that will play out differently yeah to say a breakup where you felt that you know they just left you and they didn't contact you again um and then that can create a whole different um area then you can spark up triggers for abandonment you can spark up triggers for um people not communicating to you you can spark up triggers of feeling that maybe you're you're not good enough and then your self-worth becomes involved as well and there are areas in the body where self-worth can feel um different as well and again it's hard to describe in specific areas it's it's more of a tone that you'll feel um but you know to sum it up if it's in the neck it's usually related to feeling like you you haven't been able to express yourself that people overpower you that you um place everyone else's needs above your own that you think um other people's opinions of you is more important than your own opinion then you'll find blockages up in that neck area so that might present Mm -hmm. as a um, something it can be different for everyone it can be that you constantly get sick <laughs> um, especially like you might have mm. sore throats all the time it can be that you get headaches because um, that that's kind of blockages of the energy in that neck area um, and it could be um, brain fog it could be anything anything up in that area but then as you work down the body then you'll find other areas that relate so for someone with upper back pain all the time um someone who might get reflux, someone who might um, feel like they can't breathe properly. That could be related to relationships as well, but more so family relationships um, 
or past relationships Mm -hmm. as you move down to, say, the lower back, which a lot of us have lower back issues, right, or what we would describe as having a bad back, Mm -hmm. all that kind of thing, which is language that I don't support in my practice. Um, That can be related to feeling insecure in life, feeling um, unstable in areas. It can relate to financial issues even, Um, but basically it can relate to feeling a lack of control in life and those people tend to be trying to control things that they're not able to. Um, So the back is tensing to try and stabilise them through their life as well. And and that's a metaphysical, energetic view of it. you know, as a chiropractor, because I guess I put on all my different hats, mm. um, as a chiropractor, I look at it in terms of the actual um, joints and the musculature. Um, then when I go into my yoga, I look at it as um, how can we assist them with, you know, gentle stretching or gentle releases. Um, so maybe some, you know, yoga nidra, if it's emotional, maybe some yin yoga um, poses as well. Um, and then obviously I try to get people to do a lot of breath work um, in relation to their body. So I call it um, breath body integration work, which helps people connect, you know, um, their breath with their physical as well. And so I try to get it on all different <laughs> aspects. And then we might actually um, talk about what happened as well. Um, and so you're releasing it in all those different ways. You're releasing it in terms of your expression. You're releasing it in terms of how it's shown up physically in the body. Um, You're releasing it in terms of how you feel about it emotionally as well. And then we're working with the areas where I believe energy isn't flowing as well and there's blockages um, where you will feel a change in that aspect as well. So it's it's quite, um, for something so gentle, people are usually quite shocked with the dramatic improvement that they get. Mm. Oh, I'm not, I wouldn't be, sh- I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. It's like a masterclass of your own body. It's incredible. <laughs> um, so before we wrap up, I wanted to see if we could empower people listening with, I guess, a couple of tips that you would give them to find a way to self-scan. So essentially, if they're feeling at this point after listening to the show, okay, I've got this showing up, might be my right leg, it might be my lower back, like you said, I might have a tight chest, I might have headaches, I might have whatever. How do you think it's best? It's obviously not something that everybody can just work through with all the knowledge that you have, you know, themselves, but how do they kind of start to at least pay attention to it and start to maybe ask themselves a few questions as to where potentially some of that could be coming from for their own self-practice. Yeah, and I guess the first thing I have to say is that you, like we discussed before, you know your body better than me Um, and that connection to your body is really important and a lot of us, you'll be surprised how many people aren't actually connected to our bodies. Um, You know, for instance, the first thing people ask me after they finish the, finish the session is, when would you like to see me? Like, when do I need to come back? And the first question I ask them is, well, when do you think you need to come back? Mm. And they will say, oh, I'm thinking around two weeks. And I say, great, let's do that. You know, mm. um, people are so willing to give their power away to others. Mm. Um, so, you know, you need, there needs to be um, a connection where you can figure out in your body, for example, some people, some clients will, say, will call me and say, I need an appointment. Um, I'm feeling, you know, that it's time for an appointment. And that's wonderful because they're getting that, you know, that connection between themselves and their physical body or, or whatever um, and 
calling me and saying, hey, I know that I need to come in. And that's far more powerful. And if I can teach anyone anything, it's the connection to themselves rather than me saying, you need to come three times a week for the next three weeks. And then we do this, you know, everyone is different. And so um, everything is catered to you as an individual. And there's no, um, you know, everyone everyone's experience with me is different as well. So if you came and saw me, it would be different to someone um, down the road who came and saw me. It will be around the same, but our experiences will be unique to you. Um, So in terms of helping people connect to that, I guess number one is just being aware and number two, not giving your power away to other people to decide that for you. What do you think? You know, and usually if you pause and really listen to yourself, you'll, you'll get an answer. Um, number three is taking those quiet times. So maybe it's meditation. If that works for you, if that doesn't work for you, just giving yourself, you know, five minutes a day where you connect to yourself. You might some breath. breath. Yeah. It's, it is, even if it's at the work toilet before you go off to get your lunch, you know, and you sit in there and just breathe, um, and put your timer on. That's it. That's right. And just try to connect to yourself. A a lot of us are disconnected because it's painful to connect to ourselves um so it's getting to the point where you're safe and comfortable to connect and to really um listen to what your body's trying to tell you because in in my um belief i'm not saying that this is right or wrong um but in my belief as a practitioner our symptoms are in, in most cases um our body's way of communicating to us that there's something that we need to listen to and for you know like an analogy um if our car was running out of petrol we just go and fill it up with petrol whereas it where we don't have that um easily visualized connection with ourselves and we run ourselves into overdrive 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 um until we listen so if you can um create that relationship with yourself and your body where you listen you know um when you see the dial going down rather than empty (laughs) then Mm. you'll just be able to live um, a more optimal life and a life where you don't have to have so many ups and downs in your body, you know. I think I think to add to that as well, when we talk about witnessing what's going on with your body or maybe just checking in, so if you do feel something, check in or, you know, you're not feeling anything but you're feeling a bit off so you check in and then you discover, oh, actually, I don't think um, Sarah, Jane or I are saying that you need to have the answer And I think that's the catch. I think often we sometimes don't want to go there because then we'll be left with a question. And I think it's a really important point. I've got something really pulling at me at the moment um, personally and I I know my heart is telling me something but I don't know why and I don't know what the answer is to it. I just know that I can't ignore what's going on. There's just – and I have ignored it plenty of times in the past. I'm like everybody else where – there's been loud lessons and I haven't wanted to hear them. So I ignore them, whether it's work or your relationship or yourself, whatever it is. But I think at the moment I'm sitting in a place where I really resonate to any of you that I'm a person that likes, I'm very naturally a fixer and that's an issue for me. It's not a, it's not a badge of honor, which (laughs) I used to wear it as um, and something that I'll continue to work on. But I think the thing is that you can check in with yourself and be aware and be knowledgeable that there's something that's right but then wait maybe for the answer to come and that might not be from yourself it might be from a sign or a friend suggesting this or mm-hmm. but don't feel like you can't ask yourself what's going on 
just because you might not know what the answer is to that point. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. And, you know, you may not get the specific answer in the first five minutes that you've checked in with yourself. Mm. Um, it doesn't work that way in life. And it's kind of, you know, if we delve a little bit deeper into consciousness as a whole, you know, we're taught that it's the awareness of feeling, you know, that ego come up or that thought pattern come up. The awareness is the consciousness itself, not necessarily changing the action um, or the response because, you know, it's a natural response in human beings. So just the awareness of it is what we're looking for, not necessarily the answer. It's often the answer. Yeah, because I can't give people answers all the time either, um, you know, and um, you won't be able to find all the answers to everything all the time either and and sometimes it creates, um, sometimes you need hindsight to look back and figure it out. Sometimes um, you need, you've still got time in your journey before you figure that out. Yeah, which for single Pringles listening to this, I do a podcast about learning to kind of be on your own on a Tuesday. So for single Pringles listening to this, that is the life mission here, like patience and timing is a big one. And that's for everybody really, but in particular. And, you know, and and exactly like you said, um, having comfort in maybe we don't have it right now, but having comfort in knowing that what you're meant to know or what where you're at is kind of um, where, where you're going to get what you need from the time, even if it's something that you're experiencing that's maybe bad or what you perceive as bad or hard. You know, we've all had hard times. I definitely have too, which is why I'm so passionate about like why, why to help people is so that they don't feel alone in their pain. You know, that's why I do what I do, um, no matter what kind of pain that is. Um, but I also now that I have the benefit of hindsight, can look back on my life and go, well, that if that didn't happen, that wouldn't have happened and that wouldn't have happened and then I wouldn't be talking to you today. You know, mm-hmm. like everything mm-hmm. happens as it does and, you know, um, it's finding peace with what's happening um, and even peace within your body, you know, um, if it, it can be painful, for example, having lower back pain and, and just inquiring and acknowledging that it's there. And then if you want to see a practitioner like myself to help um, assist you on that journey of discovering why it could be there or what we can do to assist you in all areas of your health so that you have, um, you know, benefits in such a big way, then that's sometimes all you need to do. But awareness is the key and you're 100% right on that. And you can also, another point on that is you can also get the answer without asking the question. If you don't know what the bloody yeah. question is, then you're never going to get a response, <laughs> are you? <laughs> Very true. And the quality of question too, yeah. you know. Um, sometimes if you ask for all the things wrong in your body, your body will communicate to you well, all the things that are wrong, you know, um, or what your perception of wrong is. Whereas if you ask a different quality of question like, Um, all right, I want to connect to my body and feel the areas that maybe aren't working as well as I'd like them to. What areas are they? Um, Rather than what's wrong in my body, oh, that's because of this and that's because of that. You know, we, we want to have a good relationship with ourselves and the way that we talk to ourselves and the way that we inquire within ourselves. Oh, Sarah Jane, this has been such an epic chat. I just looked at the time. I'm like, oh my goodness, um, I've got <laughs> like so many other questions that we could have. A, you know, we could d- dive dive into. But I think we'll we'll leave it there. I think we've covered some really great ground, and I think hopefully we've been able to allow you to kind of even put labels change labels with the way that we see things because I think that you know removing labels or removing those types of um, understandings or meanings that have been fed to us really helps clean the slate and it's just one of those things that then allows us to lose that mind part of us and 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 hopefully gives us a little bit 
of space to be able to inquire within right. a little bit a little bit easier. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Thanks for Thank having you. me, Stacey. It's oh. been such a good conversation. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. This has been another Bijou Podcast production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.